For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So says 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Gathering around the Lord's table each first Sunday of the month is a joyful celebration. It's a time to, to, to be joyful and to celebrate. And I hope many of you, if not all of you, look forward to first Sunday. I really do. I don't like to be away from my Good Hope family on the first Sunday. Sometimes I travel, sometimes I'm other places. But on the first Sunday, I want to be here with our Good Hope Church family. It's a joyful celebration because we are, on this first Sunday, doing communion, carrying out the command of Jesus who instructed us, who instructed all believers to do this in remembrance of me. That's what he said. Come together and do this in remembrance of me. Of me, isn't it a joyful time to come and just remember Jesus? It's also a time of joyful celebration because, as a congregation, as a church family, and as a body of baptized believers in Jesus Christ, we have this unique opportunity to share in this sacred meal together. Think about that. After church, most of us will be at our own dinner tables or at a restaurant someplace. But on the first Sunday, as a body of baptized believers, followers of Jesus Christ, you and I, from different backgrounds, different homes, have an opportunity to come and share in this sacred meal together. I think that's absolutely wonderful. But we must be careful not to allow the frequency of the supper and the formality of the supper to overshadow the significance of the supper. In other words, if we are not careful, we can become so familiar with what we do at the table, and so formal with what we do at the table until the essence of the table is eclipsed by frequency and formality. That is, we come and we do it so often until we just miss the significance 
each Sunday why we do what we do. So today I want to just focus on three things about communion, and that's my sermon topic. I know some of you probably thought he didn't mention the sermon topic up at the beginning, but I didn't forget. I just put it in a different place this time. But, but I want us to focus on three things about communion. And if we keep these three things in our minds, frequency and formality will not eclipse the essence of the table. So first, communion is about the body. That is, that's why we come. It's about the body of Jesus. The Lord Jesus, according to verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, the Bible says he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now think for a moment about this statement. Let's not rush by it. Just, just think momentarily about this statement. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Out of all the religions and out of all the religious movements in the world, not one of them can truthfully say that their leader sacrificed his body to save the followers from their sin. That's what Jesus is saying in the text. This is my body which is broken for you, sacrificed for you. All the religions in the world, not one of them can boast that their leader sacrificed his body to save followers from their sin. Not Mohammed, not Buddha, not Confucius, not any other religious movement in the world can truthfully say that their leader suffered and bled and died to save them from their sins, let alone talking about got up with all power. In his hand. Not one of them can boast that. In fact, when you study, the opposite is true. In that numerous religious leaders, instead of sacrificing themselves, sacrifice followers in order to promote their own power, prestige, and prominence. That is to say, in numerous religious movements, the leaders sacrifice the people. They use the people in order to promote themselves. Their own power, prestige, and prominence. Use and abuse people, but not Jesus. He went through some stuff. To put it in modern day vernacular in order to, to save us. It's amazing. It's amazing when you read the stuff, the text, and, and, and you really realize what he went through even before he got to the cross. He went through tremendous pain and agony and suffering even before he got to the cross. He endured pain. On our behalf. Well, Matthew 27, 27 through 31 records 
Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the Praetoria and gathered the whole garrison around him, the soldiers. Verse 28, and they stripped him before he even got to the cross. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Verse 29, get this, what, when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. That's physical pain. And the text reads, a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Verse 30, don't miss this, they spat on him. Now, I underscore the words, they, meaning more. There were a garrison of soldiers there. The text does not give us a number. It simply says they spat on him and took the reed and struck him in the head. Verse 31, and when they had mocked him, that means ridiculed, scoffed, scorned, made fun of him, laughed at him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and then they led him away to be crucified. Look at all the preliminary suffering before he even got to the cross. And yet he said to his disciples, this is my body. Now, think about that if you will. Let, let this thought marinate in your mind. Jesus had a perfect home in heaven. He was loved by God, his father, who publicly declared as the heavens opened up and the spirit descended in the form of a dove, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus had it made in heaven. He was adored and worshipped by the angels. I think about the text in Isaiah where, where the angels said, Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. His surroundings were completely perfect and peaceful. Yet, the text reveals by his own words, he sacrificed it all. He surrendered it all. He gave it all up, moved down to Bethlehem, was born in a manger. He lived a sinless life among sinful people. He died an executionary style death on Calvary's cross, all to save us from the penalty of our sins. Don't take that lightly. That'll be enough to pack every pew in the church on Sunday morning. That, that ought to be spurs that spur us up out of the bed when we want to lay there and get to the house of worship. Just that alone. And, and I marvel. I'm just so grateful. I, I come to church on Sunday morning, and, I, and I, 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 I can look out now, and I know what some people drive, you know, the regulars. And I see 
calls from North Lakeland. One of the first calls in the parking lot, North Lakeland. And I'm like, I rejoice because that's what it's about. They got it. They understand that he sacrificed so much for us. So Isaiah 53, 4 through 7 expresses the matter of Jesus' sacrificial death state, and surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we'll see him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Here's that physical part, but he was what? Wounded. Think about wound. That's not something pretty. He was wounded. This is my body, he says. He was wounded, not for any sin of his own, but for our transgressions. Bruise. That's physical. You ever had a? You bruise on your, your body, bruises uh, indicate pain. It hurts. About a couple years ago, I fell off my bicycle in the neighborhood, and, 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 and I, was, I was bruised, and it hurt for a long time. The Bible says he was bruised. That lets us know that this thing was painful. But get this, underscore for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, again, that's physical. We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened out his mouth. He's led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Paul joins the sentiment of Isaiah concerning the great sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf in Romans 5, 6, and 8 with these remarkable words you see at just the right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love towards us in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Remarkable text. The bread on the communion table serves this morning as a vivid reminder. When you take it up in your hand, as a vivid reminder of the beaten and the battered and the bruised body of Jesus that hung out on Calvary's cross and that paid our sin debt in full. So, remember, the communion is about his body. Pick up the bread, you remember, it's about his body that took upon himself, all of the pain and suffering that rightfully belongs to you and to me, for none of us deserve. It's just God's amazing grace. But secondly, communion is about his blood. Verse 25 states, in the in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant 
in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Under the old covenant, under the old testament covenant, the old covenant, the blood of animals was used to atone for sin. Leviticus 16 explains the day of atonement where the blood of a bull and the blood of a goat were used to pay the sin debt of Aaron and all the people. The writer of Hebrews 10 and 11 states day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. Underscore that again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. That means that they have to do it over and over and over again. Never completing the job. But when this priest meeting Jesus had offered all for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, the blood Jesus shed for the sins of humanity, for your sin and my sin on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago was the final payment. You might say it was paid in full. Never got those receipts where you were paying on something and you paid and paid and paid and paid and paid and one day you got it stamped, paid in full. Some of you paid your mortgage off, paid your house off. Oh, what a joyful day that was. Paid in full. Some of you paid your car off, paid in full. Some of you have paid off student loan debt, credit card debt, paid in full. Oh, what a joy it is. Jesus paid in full once and for all. The penalty for our sins. Oh, what a great joy. That is, nothing else we owe. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. When Jesus hung on Calvary's cross, when he cried out in that loud voice, it is finished, that meant no other offering was needed. No other atonement necessary. No other gift, contributions, or submission required. Hymnologist Robert Lowry summarizes the atoning power of the blood with these words, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the cleansing power of Jesus' blood that sets us free from the penalty of sin, and then it sets us right with God. Uh, The blood of Jesus is powerful. No force can stop it. His blood is plentiful. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. His blood is priceless. Money can't buy it, but it's free to all, free to all. A healing stream that flows from Calvary's mouth. Jesus, keep me. Now the cross, there's a precious 
fountain, free to all. If that healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain, near the cross, near the cross, be my glory ever, till my wretched soul shall find rest beyond the river. The blood, the blood of Jesus. It's priceless. It's free to all. The blood of Jesus is precious for every drop was shed in love. The blood of Jesus is perpetual. That is, it keeps on working so that whosoever will can come. The blood of Jesus is paramount. There's nothing higher than his blood, nothing greater than his blood. Third communion is about the blessing of Jesus. The words of John 3.16 summarizes the blessing of Jesus stating, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is no greater blessing than his blood that washes away our sin. Now, I confess with great honor, great satisfaction, as many of you do, that I'm a blessed man. Does anybody here can say I'm, I'm blessed? I'm blessed beyond Compare, I am blessed. Blessed, I've been blessed to be married to a wonderful woman of God, Sister Pickett, for almost 40 years. I'm blessed. I'll be blessed to have a, a, a remarkable son, a remarkable daughter, and granddaughter. I'm blessed. I've been blessed to pastor one of God's best churches, Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. One of God's best churches, I've been preaching now for nearly 40 years. And I can tell you from experience, this is one of God's best churches. One of God's best deacon staff. One of God's best pastoral staff. One of God's best ushering staff. One of God's best congregation. I've been blessed to have a career as an Air Force chaplain and travel around the world. I've been blessed to serve as a prison chaplain. I've been blessed to have wonderful friends. I've been blessed to have good health at 61 years old, no medication. I stand to tell you that God is good. I've been blessed. I've been blessed by God to have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a doctoral degree from accredited institutions, not boasting. I'm just telling you, I've been blessed. But none of those blessings compare to the blessing of knowing Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. So in 1976, while a sophomore at Benedict College, I came to Jesus just as I was. I was wounded, weary, and sad, but I found in the law. I found in Jesus. I found in him a resting place that he has made me glad. The body 
communion is all about. So when you come today, come remembering all that he has done. All that he shall do. He's a great God. There's none like him. He's a mighty God. He's a loving, compassionate, and caring God who's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his glory with exceeding great joy. He's the only wise God, our Savior. To him be glory and majesty, dominion, and power now and